Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. That is my purpose. You can talk to me about anything. There's no question I'm afraid of. You know, I, I my my tour right now is called Perfectly Shattered because I am broken perfectly. Mm. Everything that happened to me has brought me to the happiest and the healthiest and the most uh, curious and enthusiastic, not just for me, but in you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I know it'll feel good if you leave something from this conversation you leave here and then in a year from now, you're like, remember we talked about that thing? Hey, that I used that. And that feels better than any 20,000 person standing ovation. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. It's And so, yeah, that's my, that's my goal in life to just the mentors that came to me that didn't mind sharing their personal and professional failings and success is very powerful to me. And I want to continue to journey inward in that way. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. There's something about comedy. Okay. That um, when your comedy unites people in some way, and sometimes I get that story. Right. And then they finally decide, okay, you know what? We're upgrading yeah. our life yeah. and we're we're, we're expanding our enterprise. Uh, I think that people, for whatever reason, they reach out and it always starts, we love your stand-up. Uh, we either had a date at your show or we almost broke up after your show or, but then it's like a real heartfelt, like we only felt it was right to ask you if you have an opinion people on the name. People are bananas. Oh, people are. They're crazy. Cert- I'm glad that we can just own that at this point and be like, 
there was a time in history, I think, that we thought we were all like regal, right? And everybody was uh, was supposed to be at some level of some seniority or royalty. And no, it's like we're all pretty dumb, yeah, yeah. But and we all know some smart shit <laughs> to share with other dumb people. And if you get the right crew of mm-hmm. imbeciles and right. like we all are, yeah, you might get a squad of smart people. Because Between we all, all are smart enough and are dumb. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> to know, okay, we won't fully fall apart because Mike knows how to build and Lori's uh, an accountant. Right. And, right? It's yep. like, but people will ask me and then I will sit and I'll be like, okay. And I'll ask questions. I'll be like, you know, you know what you're going to have? And where, where are you from? Where did you conceive the child? Where, like, And I just get like backstory. And next thing you know, I'm like, Farah. And have you gotten confirmation that oh, yeah. people, they fully named their kids? For sure. I've been, I'm so, I'm like the old bull. So now not only do I get the confirmation, I get the like, uh, you know, he, he, she graduated from fifth grade and <laughs> today she asked me how she got her name. And no we said, way. yeah, it's real. it's, it's been a kick. That's one of the, that, and I think one of the wildest days of my life, beautiful day was I was doing something with uh, Children's Hospital. I loved. Uh, I was in Children's Hospital as a kid, so oh, wow. that that means a lot to me to continue to, you know, ingratiate myself and help that community. And I'm roaming the halls one day. I think we're doing like a Christmas type thing, and uh, uh, and they they said, "Oh, this woman down the hall, could you meet her son?" I go, and this little cute towhead kid is sitting. And he's smiling, and she said, "This is our son, Dane." We named him after you. Oh, wow. And thankfully, he was dealing with something that he was going to be okay. Yeah. But I had never met... Uh, Someone named after you. Yeah. And, and my mom fought to name me Dane against... Nobody wanted me to be named Dane. My dad <laughs> didn't call me by my own name till I was like 18 because oh, he was wow. so upset that my mom wanted to what name me... What did he me want you to be called? Angus McIsaac. No, that's not true. With a hyphen. <laughs> that was going to be my first name. If my dad had his way... I was Angus McIsaac. It was a mentor and a friend he lost in Korea. Oh, wow. So I was going to be AM, Angus McIsaac. And my mom, literally the day of giving birth, switched it up and said, I'm going to name him Dane. And that's because, not the Thornbirds. Some people go, there's a Dane character in the book. She just like great Danes. Okay. It was her favorite dog. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. Anyway, let's start. Let's go. I mean, we're here. We're already crushing. Cue the music. Feel free to move that. Yeah, tell me where you like. Tell me where uh, room tone. Right. uh, Regular speaking voice. Here it is. Sometimes I get a little. uh, I I get a little bit uh, loud on the mic. I've been known to. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Jack will help us. Do you? I don't know if you ever feel like this in your career. Do you have moments where you're like, I am fucking crushing it. We're selling out. We're doing the thing. We're we're doing. And then it, someone will be like, but we found this article right. that says you're ugly and well, people hate the, you. I, it, it, At the exact you moment. It, yeah, but that's the pendulum swing. And sometimes the pendulum goes swings like that. And sometimes it's a nice year of a swing. But right. I, I kind of always prerequisite no, like uh, I can have a joyous moment. But then grounding myself and realizing, you know, right. there's something else that could come along. So even if it's a few seconds, revel in it. But you know, figure out how to fortify it. For me, it's like, okay, when everything's going along and we're in flow and it's working and then something sort of comes out of left field, I always feel like, wait, this is a lesson because it's trying to punch me in the face. Yeah, and then I have days where I'm like, life is just left field. The whole thing we've signed up for is a left field and we're meant to be, it's, this is a challenge, universal game show, we're on it and the key to winning is going, 
more hits. More You're hits. So right. It's yeah. just continuing I have to, to show I up. I have to. Uh, right. Exactly. Because the alternative is uh, looking at every single person around you and realizing, man, everybody is broken in some way. Everybody's fractured. Everybody is trauma based. Everybody is capsized. But the ones that that own it and stand up straight and say these things happen to me instead of trying to facade it or right. however. Um, the, that to me is like the lesson of, okay, me too. I have that same experience. And the way to, the way I, for me, the way to journey forward is to share all those experiences, good or bad, in real time, as quickly as I can therapy it out with, <laughs> with people that w- do want to listen. Because of course, not everybody wants to have a right. robust, introspective conversation, but I do. Yeah. I do. So yeah. I, I, I have surround myself with the people that in real time, we allow each other to um, revel in moments, even if it's obnoxious and a little over the top. And when we break down, we don't wait to say, is everything okay? We yeah. just go right to each other and say, I'm not okay today. Right. And we know how to like start those things in a row. But Well, sometimes when those moments happen, what I actually go to is, I'm so I'm looking at someone else going, wow, someone's throwing you a life preserver and you're making a really interesting choice about how, and then I go, what, am I doing this? Hmm. Is that why the universe is giving me this moment? Is there some area of my life that there's an opportunity that I'm looking at in the wrong? Like I will approach it from every angle, which yeah. is maybe I'm making up the reality, but at least in this reality, it's like I'm learning, I'm evolving, I'm growing. Right. And it, maybe me helping wouldn't have done anything at all, but I just am like, damn, imagine being desperate and still not accepting help. But maybe on the other side of that is a person or individuals that for whatever their narrative, they need to crash and burn. And unfortunately, you're on the ride that they are, right. you know, nosediving in. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I we could we could do this. Don't you love like people that there's those people once in a while that come along and go, this whole fucking conversation is just it's all coincidence. You don't know. Right. And you're finding ways to and, and they're kind of they kind of alleviate you and and take the burden off of. Yeah, because I am I love uh, talking shop, Me human too. shop. Me too. Comedy. Yes. You know, enter- like I love delving in and being like, because I believe there's a greater mystery. Right. And so I do go like, okay, like maybe the whole key is when you finally pass on someday, somebody's there going, you learned 80% of the playbook. You're good. Oh, right. that's a cool idea. (laughs) Welcome, you can eat anything now. (laughs) (laughs) You don't just get the left side of the heaven buffet. It's the whole room. I have a really incredible partner and my boyfriend who's great at just being like, Sometimes bad shit happens. Right. Sometimes stuff sucks. Sometimes life hard. Sometimes just coincidence. Didn't mean anything that you saw three red cars in a row. Like it just. But I I feel like if you get the choice in how you go through life, I want to go through life looking for, you know, there maybe there's a synchronicity here. Maybe there's a sign or maybe there's something I'm meant to learn. It all feels so magnificent to me. Yeah. Really, yeah. like uh, I don't know how or where, as a young child, I felt a feeling of uh, enormity. Not that I was enormous; that it was all. Yeah, everybody had a purpose, and even people that were here for a blip and gone. I don't know why. You know, I think I, I, I when I was uh, sixteen and a half, seventy, I had my permit, uh, driver's license permit, and then um, I just remember driving to Revere Beach. 
outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, because you're from Boston. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, going yeah. to Boston for the first time in two weeks. First time? I'm doing a show. I, okay. And I'm freaked out because I don't know how many fans I have in Boston. Cause I've, <laughs> I've never even personally set foot in the city. Isn't that wild? Okay, first of all, you will love it. I'm. That's what you everybody tells me. You will love Boston. Me. Please take some time to walk around. I will. It's it's an amazing city. It's only gotten better. It's in a, like this renaissance. It's beautiful. Architecture is beautiful. The people of Boston. It's like when you give from the heart, they will never forget it. Uh, if you mail it in, if you lean a little, they will never. never forget it. I will. Never. They just want you to. They they'd rather you walk up on stage and say, "I'm a little sick." But I'm gonna give you my best shot. Yeah. <laughs> then go up sick and and sweat and kill it. And they're like, you're a little off. So <laughs> could have done better. But you will enjoy okay. it. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Boston's okay. it's I'm the excited. best. Wouldn't be here without that city. So you had sorry, I interrupted you. You have your permit. You're driving. Yeah, so to I went the beach. to Revere Beach and I had the I was very uh I was I was a um introvert. I had a lot of anxiety. My mom was phobic. I got a lot of that. I just was dealing with a lot. Uh it, alcoholism in, in my family just everything was everything was skewed growing up i didn't know till years later like what I, what it was to be on a balanced home mm-hmm. like i had to create that yeah of like oh this is what it feels like to ha- like know what you're walking into when you get home because i'm the man of the house i will provide that energy yeah at 16 and a half i go down to revere beach and It was like a very bad, I don't even know if a B movie, maybe a C movie, D movie of me on the beach in a rainy day and doing like my version of a primal scream and just whatever's up there, whoever, like I want an adventure. I felt so insignificant and I, and I prayed, I went to church. I, I, you know, would have very deep, what I thought were deep conversations with my mom about purpose in life. But I felt like on this day I needed to like exorcise it out of my body. And, and say, like, I don't want to feel like I go through this life as a wallflower. I want to be out there, whatever that meant at the time. And do you feel like an adventure came to you after I do. that? Yeah. Like yeah. your life or like you actually had an adventure at 16 and a half? Um, I felt, yes. No, I did. I did. I don't know if I, at the moment looking at it, but, um, you know, when I was like, even in my mid 20s being like where I went from in high school through theater, meeting my mentor, Frank Roberts, who literally changed my life and and gave me so many of the first tools to do everything else. Um, I did. I felt like, man, I, I asked and received. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, higher power. I don't know if that's just I changed the molecules vibration around me. I mm-hmm. don't know. If maybe I just did it to yeah. say now I got to prove myself right or wrong. Uh, but everything started to kick it up a notch and I felt less less trapped and scared at home and more <laughs> and more scared and sometimes trapped at the world outside that I was going to, you know, explore. Yeah, I I love that uh the idea of like being trapped at home versus pushing towards something new and different. Right. I feel like people forget or maybe never learn that lesson that life's going to be hard either way. So it may as well be hard in pursuit of like you can you can be uncomfortable in the place that you're already in, or you yeah. can be uncomfortable pushing into a new environment. The, it, it's I'm always like sensitive to the idea of like you say, you know, like we grew up, we were uh, lower middle class. What I say in my act is I didn't learn till years later because my mom was so tenacious. I, I thought we were lower middle class. We were upper poor. 
You know, my mom <laughs> with rheumatoid arthritis was mm-hmm. housekeeping, cleaning toilets, uh, trying to, you know, hack the system in any way she could. And so, you know, for me, like, I understand what hard is, but then I'm always sensitive to other people being like, well, you don't know what my hard is. And that's where I always have to, I always almost like asterisk those moments to say, like, I understand a hard path, but I understand it's very different from your hard path. Yeah. And just because I had it hard for me doesn't mean that I'm not empathetic to you might have to do things in a different way and you might have to struggle even more in some points, maybe less at some points, but I'm here to understand your experience. Hopefully my goal is to make you laugh through that. I think that's kind of what I participate with, but um, I'm also interested and curious in how can my failing and success maybe possibly help you with that roadmap ahead because some people did that for me. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Going back to the mentor that you mentioned, you got into theater. You got Frank. Were you doing comedic roles? Or were you doing dramatic roles? Like, what was the theater experience oh, like man. for you? I get very emotional talking about Frank. He, um, 
Frank sadly had passed away. Uh, he had a stroke about 12 years ago. He was the quintessential high school drama teacher. The glasses, the crisp shirt, the booming voice from the back of the theater. Yes. I mean, he was he was a, a guy that had done off-Broadway, had a stellar career. Um, and when he ended up at Arlington High School doing, um, was it like pajamas? Pajama Game and Anything Goes and Grease, um, you know, year after year putting together the the plays. He was a guy who had seen the world um, and had met a lot of different kinds of people just because of being a teacher for so many years. So when I got into that class um, with my dad had walked me uh, into school the first day that I had to go to drama. Um Long story short, I had to switch schools. I was at a, a school for my freshman year that was uh, called Minuteman. It was a vocational. You were going to go there and learn like wood shop or, uh, and I just, I wanted to get into theater and they didn't have that. I'd only gone there for my dad and mom. I really needed to get on stage. So I was like, let me switch to Arlington High School. My dad was not into it, but he's like, all right, I'll, I'll make sure you get there. And he knew I was nervous. Walk me in, walk me to the theater and took a picture of me. My dad used to always have his camera. So I have this picture of me right before I go into that class. And I, I, you know, like I keep it next to my desk because it, it was like a pivotal moment. The Where I stood in that hallway for the picture, many years later in a documentary, I went back and I stood in that same exact literal spot. Cool. And felt... Uh, the feeling wash over me of like, man, I, this was a moment I could have succumbed to fear. I could have I said, dad, I don't want to do this. And he would have said, all right, let's go. Let's get out of here. And, but instead it was like, all right, I guess I'm going to go in here and figure this out. It was almost like he handed me off to Frank Roberts. It was amazing. It was like, my dad had a lot of emotional ability. And then he had things that he was lacking due to drinking due to his own, maybe, um, you know, at that point, uh, Miss, misses in life and handed me off to this guy who like spoke the other language of art and love and creativity. And he was very happy in his personal life and career now at this point being a teacher. So I go into drama, I meet Frank. And at the end of the first class, he recognized something just in the first thing we did on stage and said, I, I want to work with you. I'd like to work with you if you want to come in every morning early before school. I, I thought it was a goof. I didn't, I honestly thought they must say this to everybody. Who am yeah. I? It took me years to have the confidence to believe he really saw something on my first appearance on stage. Whatever I was off, he saw the light. And he said in one of our first meetings, I'll, I'll teach you, I will teach you about the reveal. I will teach you about the symbolism of our town and why the hedges are 15 feet. I will. And he went on this long kind of rant. And then he said, but more than anything, Dane Cook, I'm going to teach you how to not give in to your fear because you have a lot of fear. And that was the beginning of him helping me to take some bricks off and wow. become a pivotal person in my life. Wow. Yeah. When you were doing that, did you were you already thinking about being a stand up comedian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew how I wanted you... to be a comic probably since I was like twelve or thirteen. Okay. Yeah. And when is the first time you got on stage in front of a real audience and tried to tell jokes? The first time in front of a comedy audience. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, was in 1990, there was a club called Catch a Rising Star. It was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Harvard Square, and they would do an open mic. So you could go, you would sign up, and then you would go the next week. If you'd signed up, then you go the next week. This is how they get you to show up twice, so they'd have a crowd <laughs> on a Monday. They'd have you on the night you signed up, and then you'd probably just stay there and watch the show, maybe bring a friend, a couple people, and then sit there going, like, I'm going to be here next week, maybe. Then you go up next week, and of the 10 or 15 or 20 people that signed up, they'd pick, like, four. So that's how they got a crowd for a couple. You know what I mean? It was almost yeah. like it was like bringers or whatever they yeah. call it. Like, uh, so I would just go and I would watch. I think I'd gone two or three times, but I couldn't do it. I, I it wasn't that I couldn't stand on stage because I'd done that in school, but I still was struggling with why do why does my opinion of something funny matter? And I would say those things like, "Who cares? Why why do I matter?" Why am I interesting to people? Who am I to think I matter to get even get up there, right? Yeah. A character was different. A character in Billy Crocker and Anything Goes, and I'm singing and dancing. It was an escape. But this was like jettisoned right into truth. And so I was sitting in the fifth row, and the guy went to the list, and he, he, was, he, he would go, um, okay, we're going to – Pick the next up and coming, blah, blah, blah. And then he went, uh, where's Ernest Glenn? It was like three seconds of silence. And I think because I'd gone, some people just didn't show up the next week. And so my hand went up. Shut up. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, you're Ernest Glenn? Almost like he didn't believe me. He goes, you're <laughs> Ernest Glenn. And I said, uh, I, I didn't say anything. I just was like puppy dog. I'm like, and his introduction was, um, ladies and gentlemen, you already know him all the way from the fifth row, Ernest Glenn. And I'm just, now I'm in that slow motion, fast motion mode where I'm walking past people. I feel the light hit me. I'm in the spotlight and then I'm up there and then I'm taking the mic out effortless, by the way, that was like not common. I watched a lot of people go do 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 and not know how to, and do this and not know That's what the me fuck they're. every time oh, God, it's stupid like, mic stand. And I'm just like, oh my God, please just go like this first. And then deal with that later. Okay. Like, this is I first. I remember. I literally just <laughs> yeah, yeah, did yeah. this last yeah. week in Phoenix. I was like, oh, I Or don't find know. a mic and just stand there and go like this. Just trust the weighted bottom will keep it in right. place. And don't people do this. Okay. And, and they're moving this, which is moving this. <laughs> so you want to go like that okay. and then like that. Okay. Um, I'm going to practice that. So <laughs> I, I, I went into my ideas of what I was already kind of. I was thinking comedy since like really eighth grade, like bits, and I got a few laughs. Do you um, remember what jokes you told? I had or a couple of jokes that were about nostalgia, like okay. growing up with speak, uh, uh, speak and spell, uh, growing up with the game operation, like a lot of nostalgia stuff, uh, slip and slide joke, which ended up like being on my first album years later, a bad impersonation of Kermit the Frog singing uh, some bad 70s song. Uh, it's a couple things, so we're a little more miss, but I did get laughs in a few places that I think the, not the impersonation or like the, the, the joke, I think the biggest laugh I got was about my dad, where I said, my dad drinks, he likes to drink, but he also likes to, um, he, he, he likes to, whatever I said, like he likes to manage all situations. And so he'll come into the house sometimes and say, uh, uh, don't question me. All right. I know things. I've been around the block a couple of times. All right. I've been around the block. Pause. And then I said, yeah, you've been around the block because you're too fucking drunk to find the house. Laugh. And it was like a real laugh from a real thing that was both kind of sad. Yeah. 
but what we would say at home to make us laugh in those those moments. So it was the beginning. The adventure had begun really yeah. in that moment. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas? The food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach and so did you immediately start trying to do shows like what was the take me from like that moment those first jokes to you're doing stand-up in the round it's a special everyone has seen everyone knows your name yeah it, it you know when you talk about especially in that era you know, pre-internet, pre like any kind of, you know, you could be pretty new and be getting views earlier in your life, which is informing maybe your growth even earlier. In stand-up, you got to wait till the night and hopefully be on a stage somewhere. For me, it was anywhere in New England. If I could drive to it, you know, it was almost like, oh, I'll go eight to 10 hours for next to nothing if it was that stage time. It was so valuable the stage time. Um, so that first couple of years was really trying to not be nervous more than anything. I, I, I felt like um, at, more at home on stage than off, but I still had to 
trust that I put myself through so much before I got on stage to where people would be like, man, you, you look like you belong up there. But I really was rough on myself. You know what I mean? It took a couple of years to stop the negative voices or... That was pre-show or after or both? Not after. After oh. I was like the foot was shaking and I'm laying in bed and I'm rerunning it and I'm happy. I feel, I feel uh, purpose from those laughs. I feel uh, community from some of the comics that I immediately, you know, felt like that, you know, brotherhood with and, uh, you know, road dogs or whatever you call it, like the er, my graduating class. But still, like, I I could ruminate and really uh, just take the energy, you know, like almost uh, fatigue myself sometimes in, in how much, how hard I was on myself previous to getting up on stage. And when you're hard on yourself, that self-talk is what, like run it again, try again, or it's like you're oh, crap, no, why really are you trying mean. to get up there? It was uh, even worse. Yeah. It's like, this is where like cue the violins. I was very hard on myself. Yeah. I was self-loathing. I, I thought I was, um, I, I had a cystic acne when I was in eighth grade and it was like really humiliating and, and kids weren't very nice and I wasn't very nice. I would look in the mirror. I would spit at myself in the mirror. And I would say things like, you're ugly, and who would ever want to look at you? And I, I, if I already had low self-esteem, I helped it. Mm. You know, I sunk myself. Yeah. And so I, it wasn't just, you know, to be very honest, I, I felt, I don't think I ever questioned, I knew the funny would get better as time went on, because I just felt funny. I felt like that's what I am. So it wasn't even about like, uh, I was like, this will, I'll get better in time. I just need time. But I, it was just everything else. It was who I am in life and, you know, in my relationships, probably how I felt with my dad. What I, I'm his only son. He's, he's of athletics. He's of uh, very confident, powerful, walks into a room, owns it. And I was sensitive. I was more my mom, phobic, anxiety riddled with tear down quips and so probably wanting to figure out why aren't I more like him you know what I mean with these these abilities that I know he has uh, so that was the struggle the struggle was more just like my self-esteem as a kid as a person but when I got on stage I felt like like Superman. I mm. felt amazing up there. Have you ever analyzed the self-talk and what you think like what was the goal? Right, like you know, there's fear underlying <clears throat> something, but in that sort of, it almost sounds like a great question. You know, sometimes in sports or in like kind of an alpha male environment, they break you up to break you down to build you up. Mm -hmm. So, was there something in that that was like you're a piece of shit, be better, or was it no? I just have this recurring monologue that I haven't yet learned how to sort of oh, make peace with. Yeah, it's it is a. It's a question that I, I've certainly, you know, you, you wish you could understand the very, I, I know this, I know that when my mom was pregnant with me, she was at her most phobic and I know I absorbed fear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So I think I was born of fear. I, I had broad shoulders. I had my dad's, I, years later in comedy, I knew I was at the helm because I could hold 20,000 people. So I was the athlete. I just wasn't throwing a football. I was, you know, holding the mic and letting you know i got it yeah i got this um the 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 hazing was like i think 
I think that sometimes, I think sometimes I was harder on myself than anybody ever truly was, but I was thinking everybody didn't like me. I was really projecting just the silence from people was like, what am I doing wrong to not be participatory? Uh, I, I sometimes felt that like, oh man, I, I'm on the playground, everybody's over there, and I'm just alone. Why am I alone? So I think some of that, some of it was a little bit was external from just jerk kids that, you know, my, but not to an extent where I could say like I was really abused. I was abusing myself. Mm. Uh, yeah. So I. And was that something you grew out of over time or? Uh, well, I, I befriended that kid. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I yes. definitely, I, I have a lot of uh, respect for that version of myself. And probably really more than anything, like realizing that even though I feel like I don't, I didn't like how I looked, I had such uh, bad self-esteem about to be able to then take that and not only stand on stages, but then years later be in a film where your face is like the biggest, you know, I already have a fat Irish head and now (laughs) it's going to be like even bigger with everything that you don't see because maybe there's a little makeup and some cool hair sitting in that theater like literally one day in one of the premieres like wiping away a tear just going i'm proud of you dane because the fact that you're up here at all yeah you know that you could believe this enough to go but what if i don't succumb to that yeah you know to that voice hopelessness yeah to giving up have you read or heard of no bad parts Hmm. okay so if you like to unpack these sorts of things. Yes. There's an incredible book, read it or listen to it, called No Bad Par- Parts. I think the author's Schwartz is the last name. Okay. But it's essentially um, a different way of looking at inner child mm. that we get frozen in time at okay. whatever age and that when you have someone, um, it, it's sort of like they hijack the bus, they hijack your entire body, your system, whatever. Right. What it sounds like is a part of you that's like, always working because it's trying to get some sort of result right. it's just you don't know what the result is or why that yeah. part was created but it's a fascinating book it's that will tear your shit up in the best possible way it's like there's there's like the duality of like there's the i'll show you some of it to yourself some of it probably to the people around you that you that you feel kept you or put you in that environment absolutely right um and then there's just i think also i i'd like to believe that Everybody, even if it's minute, has a little bit of hope that they have something greater to give to this human condition. Yeah. That everybody does truly feel a sense of purpose. Because I've met a lot of people in a lot of different aspects of life, in a lot of different corners of the world. And I think sometimes I would uh, find myself, I, I, I was never judgmental, but trying to understand like what is their purpose. But until you talk to somebody and you really understand their origin, then it becomes really clear how important every single person is yeah. that you meet in this yeah. world and how it's very easy to be dismissive Yeah, because we're protected. Of course, dismissive is I'm protected. So if I dismiss you, you don't get, I don't let you in. Maybe you're in the same jam I am, but I, I let go of that a long time ago. Now it's like I meet people and I, if they'll give me the time, I, I want to yeah. break bread and get into like the why. Do you think you know your purpose? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What is it? Love. Mm. Love from absolute truth. 
the truth of um, being broken, of of having failed, of having um, soared success, uh, real true success, really what it means, not like the glitz and the glamour side, but uh, celebrating alone. Okay, what's that? Like, what does that mean? The, ba- the best... The best cake you can make is the one you bake for yourself and then you eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the lonely kid on the playground had to come full circle and realize, no, that that's that's a blessing. That that uh, that vulnerability and sensitiveness. Like, I'm so thankful that I came from that. Now it it was like uh, I saw the whole puzzle differently. Probably after my parents. My parents had both passed away. I lost them both uh, in the same year to cancer. And after running from that really fast for a couple of years, like, like not like not even running like I'm like I, it happened. I loved them. I showed them everything on to the next gig. And it it really wasn't even an understanding of really what grieving was. Two things I didn't have at probably 35 uh, years old was like I didn't have any boundaries because if you if you you showed interest, come on in. Now everybody <laughs> likes me. You're in. You're in. Just because you're here, you're in. Um, so yeah, no mindfulness really, no boundaries, but no understanding of grieving. So I think once I went through all of that, the turbulence and and to have know the joy of seeing something through, and then understanding the ultimate. Impo- it's impossible to explain to you what that loss was. Also, because they both died in the same year. Yeah. Uh, that is my purpose. You can talk to me about anything. There's no question I'm afraid of. You know, I, I my my tour right now is called Perfectly Shattered because I am broken perfectly. Mm. Everything that happened to me has brought me to the happiest and the healthiest and the most uh, curious and enthusiastic, not just for me, but in you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I know it'll feel good if you leave something from this conversation you leave here and then in a year from now you're like remember we talked about that thing hey that i used that and that feels better than any 20,000 person standing ovation yeah i know yeah. <laughs> it really does it's and so yeah that's my that's my goal in life to just the mentors that came to me that didn't mind sharing their personal and professional failings and success is very powerful to me and i want to continue to journey inward in that way. When did this sort of reveal itself to you? Is this something in the last few years? Have you carried this for decades or? Uh, just the present, being present? Yeah, well, just the idea that it's coming back to love. I mean, it's such a, it's such a, everything is sort of filtered away to yeah. this really beautiful essence. This is where I I go, I wish I, it, you know, you think you know so much. And then I'm like, I I don't know. I, I, I know that it's, I, I can look at a in therapy in learning understanding grieving the seven levels of grief and mm-hmm. and how uh, I can I know when I started to I know when I started to know I still think I'm acquiring uh you know information um but I I do think that uh for a long time I ran with either the want of success or success from that kid okay mm-hmm. and then there was a point where I was just running to the next thing because I got one and two and it was never about like that Zen today. Yeah. I didn't know that. So about 10 years ago, 23. Yeah. About 10 years ago, I was like, 
I would hear people talk in conversations or maybe podcast interviews, and you hear this quite a bit where somebody goes like, you spend your whole life and you never really stop and really let the breeze hit you. And I was like, I'm going to fucking stop. I'm, I'm not going to push this career. I love it. I've already done a lot of things I'm very grateful for. So what if I just stop and let everything catch up to me and then don't look so far ahead at whatever that thing I'm, hmm. ah, you know, yeah. wanting to, and just let it be like a day at a time for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, and you had, have, but had in the beginning a really interesting sort of rise to fame, if I'm not mistaken, because I feel like you tapped into my space or like the beginnings yeah. of social the media social in a media. way yeah. that people didn't understand right. yet. So it was almost like this prophetic like move through the space that you were in because yeah, you were doing it in a, a way that was a nerd who loved tech yeah so explain <laughs> that my space was like for the kids it was like tiktok 1.0 <laughs> <laughs> and it was like um you know obviously it was a digital hub you know where mostly college people around the u.s canada were online posting pictures writing what they ate you know the the, the first version of all that yeah and as a still a homebody, like still that person who just felt safe at home, I do my shows. And then I was suddenly with this portal and realizing like, oh, wow, the, a lot of people are, are in here in some of these Quinnipiac College. I was just there and University of New Hampshire. Like I, I was starting to realize like, oh, this is, this is like the mall. This is the food court in the mall, but online and everybody's just kicking it. Uh, but what I, what I identified really fast was... I could get on there and I could be in comedy. I could be honest, but I had to be funny, mostly funny. Um, but here I could approach it at another gear. Um, I could be funny. I could post clips or whatever. But I think one of the first things I wrote on my MySpace was like, hey, um, if you're a fan of risks, follow me. Don't follow me if you're not a fan of risks because I plan on taking a lot of them. Almost like setting myself up to be like, I know I'm going to like, you know, have a, uh, you know, swing and a miss. And I, maybe to protect myself when I finally did go, I saw myself in my career. I was like, I'm getting to the, I'm now I'm getting up to the plate. And I think part of me was like protecting myself. What if it doesn't all go according to plan, but also wanting to let people know, like, I got this. And so for me, that platform was a place to show my soul different from on stage. It's, it's literally today what I still tell people. I go, you can watch as much TikTok and that guy's going to tell you 50 things to hijack the algorithm and that person's going to tell you you got to have a set that looks like this or it's all bullshit yeah it's all garbage there's only one seminar piece of advice that I'll sell you and there's no shirt you need to buy or a book on the way out ready yeah have soul in your tech be real be present and I put it in there now and I think the comedy was responded to because I was young and hip and you know I was out there but I think people liked that if I had a rough day, I would share that. Hmm. And so I think that's what grew my fan base. I don't think it was just the fact that my I was arriving in comedy. I think it was I was arriving into a place of I was more fully formed in honesty than some of the other artists maybe at that time that didn't want they were they were they didn't want to show you that. Yeah. I think that people found that interesting from me at that time. That rise as you start to post and you're doing all these shows, yeah. was it 
it's so easy for us looking backwards or looking on to be like, it was meteoric. And you're like, fuck you. I worked at it for 12 (laughs) years before anyone knew. So what was that climb like? Was it the hockey stick or was it very slow? It did feel like a slow, steady trajectory. Of course, like then it, you know, MySpace started to spike or the Facebook started to become, you know, more of the. Yeah. Remember when it was called the Facebook? The Facebook. Oh, wow. And and the Friendster. Um, (laughs) Uh, AOL Instant Messenger was with uh, you would uh, IM before DM. It it felt slow and steady. It's it of course kind of like really spiked once my first uh, Comedy Central special had aired because then that was like college kids were watching that every night and then they would be like Dan Cook and it would bring you to my my website okay, which yeah. had my MySpace. So there on any given night while i was still very underground to like you know no, not a lot of people knew me a lot of people did know me because they'd be watching these late night comedy central things and then saying you could talk to him he's like online every night and so i was in there just yapping getting to know people and uh and always letting people know they're important to me in the ride because i wanted to feel important to people i wanted to feel that i wanted people and i still want people if they feel like they don't know what their purpose is, maybe just for a minute, help me. Maybe that'll make you feel good. Mm. Just jump on my ride. I'm building this thing. Yeah. If I make you laugh, be my street team. Yeah. Let's see if we can fucking change. Because I would say the industry doesn't want me. Industry says they don't need me on Saturday Night Live. That's the only way you make it in this era. Um, if I don't get an HBO special, I'm done. <laughs> so let's let's do something new and improved. And they really did. They were like, mm-hmm. all right, well, we'll make a lot of noise and would not would not have had that breakthrough moment had it not been for the numbers of people. Was it a was it a specific moment? Like, is it a specific moment in your mind where you're like, just like standing outside the theater classroom, mm-hmm. it's a before and after. Do you have a moment like that in your career where you were like, oh, shit, we just sold out, blah, blah, blah. Well, the little bit of a domino, uh, I'll, I'll try to truncate it, was like, um, my my album came out, my first comedy album came out, and it charted, which was unusual for a comedy album to be on, like, the Billboard Top 100. With music. With music. Oh, wow. Like, it was, like, Jay-Z and me in, like, the top, <laughs> in the top five. And so that rattled the whole industry. Very long story short, I end up in a meeting at, the, at ABC, uh, you know, with a bunch of people in the suits and I go in at first, I'm just like doing shtick and I'm, uh, I'm just doing things that I think are going to appease them, get some laughs and, you know, and then finally I was like, Hey, can I log into your computer? I want to show you something. And they had a computer in there. I log in, I download AOL instant messenger. And I said, if you want to, if you want to know whatever I said, my, my data, if you want to know how many people out there are waiting for me to do a TV show with you network president, watch this and i logged in and i and i literally went ready five four three two one and a million windows ims popped up like like the page filled and filled and filled and filled until it froze the computer and crashed what a mic drop oh it was it i got i got the deal i got a development deal i never ended up making the show but got a development deal and then the word of that story really like it. That's people to this day. Did you really freeze the computer? Yeah, yeah. It was wow. like showing these people like these are you have Nielsen ratings. I have a new kind of rating. Wow. This is like you. You. I know something 
that you're not familiar with. And I'm and and I think even at that time, I think people really thought like this fad of the internet, this thing that everybody's into for a little bit. There's a lot of millions of people on there yeah. right now, right? There is a lot of freaking <laughs> power in knowing stuff that an older generation hasn't gotten yet. Yeah. Like I remember being an assistant here in LA and like I knew how to do like shift command four, whatever, and the executive would be like, holy fuck. Oh my God, she's a whiz. And I'm like, I know how to copy and paste. That's all I've got. Right. It, yeah. And it also, that's, it's the circle of life. And it's, it, it, uh, no matter how good you think you are on how on point, or maybe how do you try to insulate your power? At some point, somebody knows something most likely tech related innovative wise yes that you're like sorry they're you've aged up, out they're coming up behind yeah you, there's exactly. no there's nothing you could do. i i really am a firm believer like there's no amount of comfy in life that you can create for yourself that somebody doesn't make something much more luxurious and comfortable yeah, yeah. that people want to sit next to you want to go I, I, your chair is great but yeah this, this one <laughs> the, going from that moment though to getting to a place i mean they're like i'm thinking of really specific uh, and you'll know the dates okay. more than I will, oh where you're just like every special, everything sold out, everything's yeah. exploding. How old were you when that was happening? Like 28. Oh, God. Yeah. like 20- Was that awesome or was that terrifying? It was awesome. Yeah. It was straight up <laughs> awesome. There was, you know, my, my parents are healthy. I still have a, my, my family life's gotten stronger. My relationship with my dad's starting to get better. Like for a number of reasons, you know. Uh, the illusion of what success at that point, like mm-hmm. the ego, like everything is in full tilt, right? Perfect, wrong way to live. As far as like, I'm not imbibing, I'm, I'm not doing things unhealthy, but I'm reveling and just like basking in this. It worked. Yeah, it worked. You know, the road years and the scare, you know, how many times I went to these gigs, the, the way I described years on the road was like gigs where they don't care that you're coming. And they don't give a shit when you're leaving. And that's how you live. You know, you go, you pick up a, a mic that has a interesting scent and you do this thing. And when you leave, people go, hey, I, yeah, I hope he comes back. I enjoyed him. What was his name again? Yeah. Or, um, and so to see it come to fruition and to be able to show that to my, especially my mom, but to show my family, it, it, you know, whatever you want to say, like those were the ticker tape parade you know, bum, 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 nah, nah. Yeah. I was writing my own ticket. I was, you know, making money, taking care of my family, had a cool car. Like it was just great. It was probably yeah. a three or four year run of like this, this feels wildly unusual and I'm loving it. And when you were in it, did you think this is going to last forever? This is my life now. No. Or were you aware? No, I was aware. I'd already you, been you, kind of like a student. I'd already like understood career. I think I, I think I was already reading in even listening, I, I got hold of like old Newhart albums and interviews, and I even like early internet stuff that was archived. I understood a career. It was cyclical. It was. It was. Um, you know, when you when are you going to zeitgeist? When are you not? The most perfect thing you create, it might not be the time for society to to dig it. it like understanding um, what makes you relevant is not knowing the trend; it's creating it because your truth becomes the trend or a, a version of it. Like the micro, I, I really got it. I really understood it. But I also looked at certain careers and was like, hey, uh, Tom Cruise has had a, a long run in trying to study like what, what, what keeps you fresh? What are the things you should do to pivot, grow? Um, and so even in the four-year run, maybe where everything seemed kind of like I own the world, 
I was already going saying to my mom, like, hey, listen, the spanking machine gets everybody. <laughs> it, and, the, and the bigger you get, they have to take a bite. Right. You know, the same people that write me up, mom, it will be the same They're people yeah. that are waiting for you to either fuck up or whatever. Like, just, you know. And so I got it. Yeah. I got it. And I knew that there was no way to, to maneuver that. But I did know that the buffer was whatever I do, even if it's, you know, ignorant, some say something on state, like, got to own it. Yeah. You got to be able to, like, not fight it. Yeah. You got to own it. Right. Well, honestly, I think the healing process or the evolution is so much easier and so much faster if you're just like, yeah, yeah. I'm learning. And right. and for anybody who is living in the public eye, you are learning in front of an audience, That's which right. most people will never have to deal with. Yes. And there's no rule book for how to handle that well. Right. But it is so much faster if you're just like, oh, God, yeah, I fucked up. My bad. Like, yeah. uh, thank you for letting me know. And we're now going to be able to move forward, all sure. of us together. Did you in the past or do you now take it, internalize and take it personally when you've made a mistake or are you just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's part of my evolution? I am probably uh, – I'm probably too quick to come to you and say, hey, I've made a mistake and, you know, we can get <laughs> into it. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I don't try to – I certainly don't thwart – you know, I don't try to, like, um, go around the obstacles. You know what I mean? I, I, um, I, I understand that oftentimes the obstacles are – you run into them. You've created it. You want it. Yeah. Why I still wish I could pinpoint and be a bigger brain to, but I do think that like oftentimes that is just where you put yourself. You know, there are places that life, the winds take you. Yeah. And and yet I, I ultimately believe that why you set sail in the first place was you knew you might hit that rock and you wanted that rock. Ah. Okay, this is fascinating because mm -hmm. I can really identify with this. If I look at, let's say, specifically public failures that I've had in my career, there are some that I wasn't asking for, but I was asking for if you're, for instance, letting someone else run, like I had someone who was running my social media who put stuff on social media that was wrong and... I took full responsibility for that. I'm right. like, I didn't do this, but at the same time, I employed this person sure. and I wasn't double checking her work. I was trusting that this was happening. And so then that was an unpacking of like, okay, how did I set myself up for this situation right. by letting someone else be a representation of me, which yes. is terrifying. Right. And then the other piece of it is I can look at stuff that has happened and I'm like, it's so insane, and I don't know how many people will get this, but I'm like, did I on some subconscious level make that public mistake because I wanted to burn down what was? Right. Not ever consciously, but in retrospect, I'm like, I fucking burned down my public image. Right. Not on purpose, but I'm like, was it – like – because now the life that I have today, there is a freedom that didn't exist then. Because it's like, yeah, I'm just a, I am just a person. I'm trying my best. But before there was no 
humanity because it's like, no, no, I can I can do this and I can be great and I can tick all your boxes and I can be the exact person that you guys right. want me to be. And now I'm like, oh, I fucking failed at that. So yeah. I just am going to try and show up as the best version of who I actually am. Right. So it's almost, I feel like a little scared even saying that publicly that like I have wondered so many times if on some subconscious level the stress gets to be too much, the whatever. And it's not like it, it's the TikTok um, of just like, how did I not understand that that would be upsetting to people? Mm. I've been in this industry a very long time. And you think through things. You're like, is this going to, you know, and that day I just did it. And I'm like, is there, was I, what was happening? Right. Would there ever be a version of that where you could approach it as I have done, where you realize when, when we're broken, we're a part of something with everybody. And sometimes the solitude of a successful moment hurts more than being on the come up, trying to figure it out with other people. And I, I'd like to believe that why, why people, again, p possibly just uh, for the sake of wanting to see the best in people, you know, everybody watches the crash and burn. Uh, we all have a narrative about a person that we see. We don't know them. We don't know the the origin. We don't know the motivation. We don't know like deeper, you know, context like this. But when we watch somebody fail, it's because we know we are, are failing and we have failed. It feels pretty good to go. Oh, right, right. I don't. I, I don't have it all figured out. I'm. 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 I'm maybe not the best family person. I, my, I'm running my business into the ground. I, I've, I did something behind a friend's back. I, you know, I think that, I think that everyone is looking. It's the same reason that when somebody's um, very intimate, like something very personal from their computer gets out and it's embarrassing to them, but everybody has something embarrassing on their computer. Everybody has a thing where it's like, what if that, what if my thing, Right. what if my fetish, what if my belief, what if my, uh, the thing I detest about my, so I th I'd, I'd like to believe that, yes, we do run into it because we ultimately want to change. We want to grow up. We want to grow out. We want to maybe even forgive ourselves for something in the past. Sometimes people are built off of a pain that they've caused other people. And even though you have found success, only you know if part of that foundation of that great thing you built was actually on some pain that you may have caused. And that's okay. As long as you own it, it's okay to look back and go, yeah, I I need to take ownership of some of the things that I feel guilty. I would like ownership from you right. for the things I'd like to have the closure, maybe, or even just to hear you out or you hear me out. But I also need to say some things that 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 I want to relinquish. Mm. And so for all those reasons, I think that's why it's fascinating to watch it. But I also would like to think that that's why we do it, because we just want so badly to to grow up and grow from it and be loved for who we truly are. Mm. But you, but caveat, you're never going to get that from media. Yeah, You're never going to... What we say right now is projected upon in a comment section, and it no longer has anything to do with us. Yeah, 100%. Right? And that is something I have learned over the last five years for sure, is that, and I don't know how this will translate, but when I'm thinking of myself... The person who gets on stage to speak to a crowd or the person that will sign your book at the airport or whatever is not 
It's not me. It's a brand that the public has decided I am. It, there, there is a separation. I'm right. showing up to the. I mean, you're meeting me today. If you went and looked on my Instagram or anything that I'm doing, you'd be like, "Yeah, that's the same chick that I hung out with." But it's not me personally because those people don't actually know me personally. Right. And it has helped me a lot to separate psychologically. If someone's like, "Oh, I hate Rachel Hollis. Her hair's ugly, and you know she has rosacea," I'm like, well, "Right, I've read that, that online." Uh, yeah, you. sure, absolutely. <laughs> but I'm like, they're not talking about you because they don't actually know you. But, but point counterpoint. You're putting that thing out there, and even though, yeah, you're right, this is a representative of your brand. If it comes from the your truest truth of the moment, where you're at in your journey of learning and understanding, and then it it would be the equivalent of I could share with I, I journal, I have a diary entry, right? You're gonna read it, and you're gonna know something really stark about me, but you're still gonna interpret it based on who you right. are, right? Through your lens. So you, you could still be a brand and say, yeah, I'm putting this thing out there. I would like to look and go. But I think it's the best representation of where you are in the moment you presented it. For sure. And how it impacts people. You, you'll Some you'll know. It'll be surface impact. Like you entertained me. You made me laugh out of a bad moment. And some of it you'll be blown away as time goes by. And I'm sure you already are at how some people perceive based on how their journey is similar but right. different to yours right. and why you mean so much to them. I think the I think that when it all goes away and if you just really narrow it down to like a single kind of simplicity it's you are truthful and I thank you for that. Mm. All everything else is just the the gloss and the in the fucking lights and the moment and the buzz and the hype and the pre-show da 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 and we got our tickets and everything that's all that's all like reveling and exciting in a moment. But really why they go is because they want to see something real. Hmm. Yeah. You have been uh, a comedian for how long now? 32 years. Shut up. I know. Wow. <laughs> uh, and I heard you talking about you've done the last special or maybe it's the newest one. Um, you were talking about having done them in really interesting artistic ways. Right. Um, I was listening to you on a podcast talking about how important it was to you, uh, how the actual set looked and that that you did yeah. things in the round and all of that. Where does that piece of this come from? Because lots of comedians show up on a stage with a mic and red curtains behind them and sure. that's all they need. Yeah. And and that's great. Yeah. Right. It's also like that that is just as exciting, you know, for their fans or fans of that art form. I think where I I, you know, as a kid, I would watch specials and I always liked the ones. Well, the Carlin, Carlin in 1978 was called, uh, it was called On Location. He shot it at the Celebrity Theater in Arizona. Marty Kulner uh, directed it. And as a kid or a teenager watching that, um, as opposed to watching, you know, Johnny Carson or some of these other, you know, the curtain, the traditional, he had a sea of people around him. You know, his backdrop was emotion. Uh, you know, I could watch him perform, but I could watch the woman in the back still laughing at the last thing. Yeah. And it made me feel good to see. No, it's funny. I don't actually like crowd shots. I don't like cutting away to the crowd in an edit, but I like seeing the crowd with the performer. I think that's kind of a somewhat magical yeah. experience to see how somebody else is, you know, enjoying that journey. Uh, um, so when I saw that, 
and then getting in, you know, through theater and, and realizing, you know, part of my job is most of my job is to make people laugh. But if I want to contribute to this occupation, I have to try to take it in and also in directions maybe that somebody else might not be prepared to do, you know, or they're going to do it in a way that I will go, oh, I never would have thought of doing it like that. But for me, it was the aesthetic of, of stand up and, and seeing how I could help it grow and evolve in, into something different. And fortunately for me, when I did my show in the round in 2005, Marty Colner directed it. You know, oh, I pitched cool. him on, I saw you shoot Carl in front of 2000 people in Arizona. I want to do it in Boston garden, this big arena in the round. And Marty traditional Marty was like, uh, all right, I'm going to need like 18 cameras. Let's go. <laughs> and it was the beginning, I think of me realizing, oh, I can, I can, uh, I can try to figure out and find new ways to uh, set this up. So it just feels different. It looks different. And you know? how does that feeling, particularly with the newer stuff, how does that contribute to the storytelling of what you're doing oh, that yeah. night? Uh, yeah, yeah, great. It's like it contrib- uh, the new special above it all, the one that is out now, I shot it on my front porch. <laughs> and when I was like 12, I would stand on the stoop of our front porch summer nights, neighbors come over, they're a little drunk, they're smoking, they're cutting it up. And I would find myself standing in front of the neighbors. And I would do like impersonations of this is how Mr. Miller Moses lawn and everybody be like, he does stick his butt out like that. Or, and it was my first audience, you know, was a group of somewhat strangers on a porch. And when I moved into my home that I'm still in now, 13 years ago, I sat on the porch one day, I was like, man, I to talk about full circle, I'd like to have people come here someday, do a performance. Obviously, it'd be beautiful. It's a beautiful view, you know, drones, whatever. But really, at the heart of it, it was what happens if I invite people into my home and I am, I am prepared with the funny. I've got my formula down for whatever I know is going to fucking make them laugh their ass off. But what happens to me when you're in my home where I'm very different? Uh, and so I get some goosebumps because what did end up happening, I couldn't plan for. What happened? I came out and the first thing I said, which isn't on the cut of the first one, but where I did two shows over the two nights, I'm cutting the sequel from the same uh, two nights. What I opened with, but is going to be on part two, was I walked out. And these people didn't know they were coming to my home. We secretly shuttled them. We just said, you're going to a Dane Cook secret show. They didn't know it was for my new special. They didn't know anything. And so we shuttled them up the through the hills. And now they're on my front lawn on very comfy, like being bag chairs and uh, some spirits going around. Yeah. And people have, and I'm in the house. I'm like, you know, getting a little bit of makeup on whatever I'm doing to prep. You know, my buddy Daniel's fixing my hair. And he's like, uh, what are you going to say when you get out there? And I was like, I don't know. I know where the funny will be when I choose to get into a bit, but I'm not as interested. I, I know that'll be there. And I walked out and I was wearing a pair of, uh, I became like a sneakerhead in the last two years. I've probably worn the same pair of sneakers for like, I'm black sneakers, t-shirt, jeans, most of my life. Uh, but I started collecting sneakers. Um, I think doing a lot of podcasts, you start to realize I'm wearing the same sneakers all the time. And <laughs> yeah. for some reason, it's like, it's same shot. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like a cool watch or rims on a car. Like, right. ah, if you have some new kicks on that, right. it, it kind of makes the whole experience feel upgraded. Um, 
I, I was wearing a pair of cream colored sneakers with like a uh, look like a leopard pattern on the swoosh. And I walked out and the first thing I, I let the moment kind of, I looked out at the view and allowed myself kind of a moment of introspection to be like, man, you know, I dreamt this up for a long time. I'm on my porch and I said, I'm wearing these sneakers because I love my mom and my mom loved leopard pattern and she probably had something, a pillow had the pattern, her comforter had the, like, you know, to look back, sometimes you go, oh, mom, that's a little gaudy, a bathing suit with it. And I didn't know till I went out there, I bought those and I wore those because the little swoosh had the exact color pattern. So you'll see it when I release the second one or I say, I'm wearing these sneakers because, you know. I feel like there's a little piece of my mom here. I just talked about why I'm wearing the sneak. Not the funniest of anything. It's just, but it was very real. And I found in that moment, I was like, oh, this is why I'm here. I'm here to like um, entertain people maybe in a way that I don't even quite know where I'm I'm going at this point. And, and why this is really, I, I was so uh, pleased that you invited me on, was like, I feel like this world of, of uh like in some ways like absolute truth in this Mm -hmm. podcasting world which is really hearkening back to early radio you know 30s and 40s this is like podcasting was in the 30s 40s and 50s Mm. it's all we're doing here and the thing that was so impactful back then is during the war people were listening to people tell stories and talk about their truth uh and so this world and then the stand-up what stand-up is but allowing from people being kind of conditioned to understand like this is more what comedians can be about mm-hmm. allowed my stand-up to evolve in a way that now I'm in. I don't really know fully how I go from here, but I know now I have the goods of 30 years of standing up there, bright ideas that look delicious yeah, and a lot of curiosity still to go like, okay, now where do we go with it? Yeah. What does it, I'm I'm asking a question that I, have experienced in my career too. And I'm just curious what your perspective is, but what does it feel like, or has it felt like to you to have the cyclical or have the ups and downs of you're in Boston garden, you've got the massive thing. And I'm assuming that then you've experienced times post that where the theaters were smaller. Cause right. I've had 18,000 people. That's right. And I'm fucking pumped right, right. for a thousand people to come yeah. to Toronto. Like that makes me pee my pants and I'm super yeah. grateful. But I know what both feel like. Sure. And I don't think it's something that people talk about enough that a career is sort of any time, at least for me, that I've like tried to do something new. So the right. tour that I'm on is something very new that cool. I haven't done before. So it's not, it's a smaller crowd. Yeah. And that's, I still feel like super exciting sure. because I'm like, well, thank you for being willing to go on this ride with me. Right. Thank you for, you know, coming to the front yard and letting me tell <laughs> a different type of joke. That's right. But what has that felt like for you to experience both? Yeah, it. Uh, I guess on one hand, it felt like, because I, I think I did, I talked to my old tour manager, Al Dotley, recently, who has since retired, but came out and we were like, waxing poetic about he he helped me through that whole tour time um like four four different chunks of arena tours i think i think he said we did like 288 arenas like there wasn't an arena that we didn't do wow uh and he he set up the whole like he'd go and set up the the boxing 
look of the you know the lighting and the the round stage and all that stuff and i think on one hand i felt even by the last uh this is gonna there's no way to say this without it coming off kind of weird but like i was like i've done this i need to put this energy towards a new arena Mm -hmm. in my life because i did this and i did it and now it's a little derivative and i don't need to do this again to prove anything to me or anybody yeah so it really was like a a huge show is still awesome it's an event yeah that energy is unlike anything else but any crowd of people that are interested and being taken on a ride, sitting in the seat, not really knowing where the evening's going to go, is awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, it really is like, uh, uh, for what that time was, it. I look back on it. I'm like, man, I, like, I fulfilled so many promises to my family and to my fans, and and certainly to myself. But I'd be doing a disservice if I continue to just try to have that be. Uh, that's somebody else's now. Yeah. That's the next era, or however they're gonna take that to maybe something bigger, maybe something I, you know, that will make that look somewhat small at some point. But I know that when I recalibrated that laser into the next 10 years of my life, it was, it was gratifying for new reasons. Yeah, You know, maybe because like Troublemaker, I was behind the camera, I directed it. Mm. So even though it was the uh, Venetian in in, uh, Vegas and it was somewhat more of a traditional theater show, but I'm directing it. I paid for it. I I own it. I'm, I'm, I'm the IP owner. So that may not be as uh, sexy in a headline as 20,000 people, but to go, I own my content. right? And and it is exactly aired the way I would want somebody to hear it, as opposed to you might go to HBO and think, can you take the line out about, you know, you call that person a thing and a blah, blah, yeah. blah. And you go, all right, you, you know, the, the little battles. But to own your own IP is the ultimate, ultimate win. Well, it's an interesting industry because – if you come up inside of it, it sort of grooms you or teaches you what success you are supposed to chase. Mm-hmm. I always find it interesting that you can privately be having massive success. You can have financial success. You can have success in your relationships, in your life. Right. All of these things can be happening, but the public perception of it has shifted a bit because yes. it's not a massive arena. And so people are like, oh, well... And I'm like, no, act, no, it's actually, it's big, you know, owning your IP. Like, hey, I get to own 100% of this right. as opposed to just getting this particular fee. Yes. But I feel like we're trained to keep chasing this thing that would make other people or entities or. But you, yes. Yeah. But you write the headline. Right. Right. Because if you write it and say it and put it in big, bold Helvetica letters, it's just as powerful as Rolling Stone or somebody else yeah. putting it up there. And by the way, you could look at 10 other things that, sorry, Rolling Stone, but you'd be <laughs> like, these 10 clickbaity headlines, I'm sure in their staff meetings, they're not the proudest of whatever they're pumping out there. Right. It's just to get the clicks. Right. So you get the clicks. Yeah. You, the IP isn't just the content you've created and in, in filmed. You're the IP. The truth is the, the the brand side of you, the the therapist, the whatever, perpetuator of innovation, however you choose to headline yourself. Yeah. That's really what matters most. What how do you want people to know the the thing that you're putting out there? Hey guys, I'm calling it this. These are the tickets. This is where you can come see the exhibit, whatever it might be. You create that headline. I think more people are more 
I, I have even shifted. I don't look at the fan base as a fan base anymore. Ooh. A long time ago. Oh, no, no. Explain I, that. I, I, everybody is entrepreneurial. Everybody is finding a way to make, they might be crafty at home. They might have great, you know, mommy advice, single mom. They might be, uh, you know, how to be a, you know, brick and mortar. I want to get back into like owning an actual physical bit, whatever that might be. I, I, I look more and more at like, they're not just fans of my comedy. They're doers and people that are creating their own environments and elements and they take time out of their busy hopes to check in with me. Yeah. Uh, so we are all fans of each other. We are, uh, I'm an entertainer. That person's entertaining. That person's creating. That person's cultivating. That person's healing. That right? Yeah. That's really what it is. So you keep your truthful IP messaging, and you realize that that audience of people are are people that are also hopeful to be on their own main stage in their own wherever. In their own way. Yeah. yeah. So I, I look at the audience in a very different way. I, I treat them differently. I talk to them differently. I accept them differently. I, I hope they see me in that way as well. I feel like in a lot of your career, you've been sort of on the forefront of how things are done or promoted or marketed. When you look to the next five or 10 years before the robots take over, <laughs> uh, what uh, what are you excited about or what are you looking towards that you really feel like this is where your specific oh, wow. brand is headed? Well, I think that what I'm doing right now is some of the most gratifying work I've done in terms of we're shooting a documentary um, this year, okay. uh, we, we just filmed three, eight hour days of me basically sitting in and sharing a, a part of my, you know, we've talked a little bit about like maybe how I felt as a kid or some of the things that may have happened, not so much the highlight moments of a career because that's like a documentary for when you're 90, right? right? Like to look, this is really about an era of my life of going through the death of my parents and having to put, put my brother in prison. Yeah. And so it's like the empire strikes back with comedy. Yes. You know, it's comedy and tragedy. Uh, my story has a crossroads that is absolutely hilarious and absolutely tragic. Mm. And I own all of it and we're sitting and we're finally telling the story in a way that I think is gonna, if we do our job right, make people like, lose their breath and then hopefully be laughing and then XP. Yeah. So from that, I, I, you know, whatever, like knocking on wood, what would I like to, I, I, I want to tell more stories for other people. I'd love to be in the documentary industry. I'd mm -hmm. like to be just finding more ways to converse like this and helping people find breakthrough moments. Yeah. Um, what will I do? I kind of will like see where the evolution of the comedy and what connects and what interesting phone calls sometimes come when you make something like a doc or you have a special go out there. You don't know. You don't know who's going to call yeah. you and go, I, I like your stuff. I'm into it. Like, do you want to come play in the sandbox? So open to wherever that takes me. But for what I want to be, you know, instilling in people is your, your worst moment of your life. The thing that broke you spiritually, physically, mentally might be the absolute greatest gift but you got to hang around to really understand mm -hmm. how pivotal and monumental that is. I, I think I said on a podcast a couple of years ago, you know, when you fail, don't be so quick to try to come back up to the surface. Take a take a beat. Look around. There's a lot of data in failure. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of real great nuggets that come out of that that will help you prevent you from possibly failing in that ma major emotional way again. 
But even more than that, you might look at and go, Eureka, I realize how I can build a better version of myself and open myself up to more people being a part of my journey with me, helping people and allowing people to help me. Did those days of filming and uh, so far feel cathartic? It was like, it was, it was, um, wow. I, I cried at moments that I never knew I was sad about and I laughed at some fucked up shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I called my director a couple of days ago. I said, what happened? <laughs> and he said something that was really, really um, like got me excited. He goes, um, he goes, you know, I have like 20 interviews with people lined up, uh, lawyers, the judge, the this, the that, you know, people that were involved in the case. Because you got to remember when that, when that, I can't talk a lot about it because yeah. I'm under contract. But when all that happened, I'm at the echelon of comedy stardom and everybody helping me on a legal front was a fan. Oof. Was that like everybody? Like the attorney general's office of Massachusetts has me in and says, "Quickly get some pictures oh, before." No and I'm fucking way. dying. I'm no I'm way. dying inside. Oh. I just want help from people, but quickly realizing, like, oh, that, that I matter to people and they're helping me. Yeah. So I said to him, "I go, yeah, what just happened?" He goes, "You know, we we filmed you know eight hours a day for three days, brought you through your whole life." And he goes, I have 20 interviews lined up. And he goes, I don't need any other interviews, Dane. I, I've done 50 documentaries. I could put only you with some of the story elements around. He's like, people aren't going to fucking believe what they're about mm-hmm. to see. He goes, so will we get some other pieces of the puzzle? Yeah. yeah. He goes, do I need 15 or 20? He goes, I don't. Yeah. So I got really excited by that because it was almost like I, I took that like, it's a great performance because I, I know there's laughs, but it's it's maybe the most truthful, steeped in truth yeah. that I've ever been because I never have talked about some of the dark corners yeah. the way I did. And when I went into those dark corners, I was laughing yeah. a lot. So oh. I can't wait for people to see it. I'm really uh, uh, genuinely grateful to have had that experience and can't wait to see where it takes me. Yeah. is it um, Is your brother in it? Or will that happen? Or he's not in it, but I mean, nothing's I mean, out of the question, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, yeah, right. I, he's not in it. I, dot dot ellipses. Right. Yes, right. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> would you even and, and tell me by the way? You could be like, I don't want to talk about this. Do you feel like that? I would can feel... only not talk about it because they've asked me to not. Oh, talk don't so you don't want to give? You want to reveal too many? Well, I just yeah, it's yeah, like it, it, because I think the the question a lot of people want to know is. Is there closure, forgiveness? Is there? Would you talk? Uh, I'll talk about all that in the right, doc. That's all going to be there. Yeah. 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 But I think you could probably tell, and judging by the way we have like the vessel of this communication, it's like I'm open to anything that keeps me right here. Is there in a situation like that? Again, tell me if I'm. I'm asking you yeah. a question. I'd ask if we were just. Oh, I will. Out. I will okay, let you know. So you just tell me now. No. Can you, in the same way that I said, like, I, I have wondered if, like, oh, I self-sabotaged in this moment Oh, in we my get life. into all that okay, stuff. yeah. That's all in there. Yeah. I, I mean, again, if you want to just take flex of what we've talked about, you know, the obstacles that we run into sometimes, like, we know they're there. Yeah. And we do it anyway. Yeah. Because we want to know what we're really made of. Mm. We want to know, like, what our, our, our metal is. What is that? 
the lessons that you took out of that, is that a lesson that you continue to have to learn or you've you've learned it? No, no, I definitely feel like I'm a whole person because of that. I, I feel like if anything, it's almost like, uh, how do you like, there's gonna be like a great science type. Like, I feel like, okay, I'm whole here, but now I can see all these other, po- I, have, I have like this, now I'm seeing beyond sometimes yeah. just what's reflected back at me. And, and it's really made my relationships even around me have even like just deeper meaning and, and more purpose. Mm. You know, it's uh, for a lot of reasons that era, it did, I, I'll tell you this, it didn't break my trust. It made me understand trust. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people go, oh, how do you trust people? I, I trust. I trust better than ever because I also know that if the worst thing you do to me with a lie, you will not break me because I'm not to be broken. I'm, f- I'm always forming. You can call it break. You can write it in a headline, but it's really not. Mm. As long as you're taking care of yourself and you're healthy, it's all wisdom. It's all good stuff. Hard, hard for somebody who's right now going, well, I'm, oh, really? Fuck you. You don't know what I'm dealing with, but I, but I do. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I get it. I know the feeling of being like drowning, you know? And, and then I also know the feeling, sadly, of sometimes the way people are when you come up for air and nobody, nobody, because people like to watch that. What happens if the successful guy now can't catch a breath? And it's all kind of like fodder. So I, I I get it, but from it I'm not only feel like uh, I, I'm a better I'm a better um, you want me in your life. I'm the person you want to call because I will be so assertive with you. You will you won't even fucking believe it. What is that uh, Sam Jackson you know thing where he says like uh, don't a- if you don't want to hear a scary answer you should cease asking scary questions. That's like how I live. Mm. But I'll tell you I love you up and down if you do something that I think. You want to feel that feeling on. And if I see it, it's interpreted. But, you know, somebody called me yesterday and said, hey, can you tell me that it based on this thing? And I, I called him. I said, this is th- this is my opinion, but this isn't the best you. Th- and I broke it down. I said, this was stellar. First, let me say, like, what I love. But if you're asking me, like, I, I'm going to tell you what some people in this industry won't because either, oh, we don't want to, like, say... No, that, I mean, that's break a goal. relationship. Yeah, like, that's no, no, invaluable. No, no. It's like be, being assertive is like a superpower. Yes, having yes men around you, having people who will just blow smoke up your ass, right. is the most detrimental thing I can yeah. think of to a creative process. Right. You want people that challenge you. Yeah, Find, make sure you have people that are are steadfast in their own. You know, know that it's okay to 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 debate and disagree, and even sometimes end on a disagreement. You should love that, especially in show business just because it is so you know it's everyone's protecting a you know no options should be closed to me so you kind of know that coming in yeah. you know are there people that you remember when you were saying like someone's you're coming up for air and you can't catch your breath are there people that you remember maybe this is just my own immaturity because there's people that i'm like no i remember <laughs> When you didn't care, I remember when you sort of disassociated, and right. then when things came back online, you yeah. were like, "Oh, we love her," and I'm like, "No, I right. remember." 
Well, I, I forgive those people, and I, I, I've, call, along I've called people on them. <laughs> you know, forgiveness is, by the way, that's also like, it's such a blanket, like, I forgive you. It's not like that. It's like, hey, there are things I love about you, but I don't respect that. And I hope that changes, and I still don't want you, like, out of my life, but that thing you did, you know, I recognize it. Sometimes just by saying that to somebody, they'll come around, may take a minute, may take 10 years. I've had, I had somebody, like, literally 10 years after a moment in my life, come to me and say, I, I want to apologize for this thing that I, you don't even know I did this to you 10 years ago, but I recognize that you knew that, that there was uh, nefarious people around you and I was one of them. And I just want to say instantly, I was like, I, I, I respect that. It, it doesn't make the relationship perfect, but I'd rather have people like that around me than somebody who it's seemingly like just all, you know, all right. great, right? Right. So... Yeah, it's like that that idea of um, of w- I know who was there for me when I came up for air. Uh, people who didn't even need to be there. People who had their own things going on, good and bad, did not need to take that time for me. So uh, a lot of love, endless, infinite amounts of love for those people who helped me in really scary, scary times. Mm. You know, really lost in my own thoughts. But the people that, you know neglected me maybe they just weren't ready maybe they didn't know how there's a lot of reasons it's not always just they're bad they sucked it's easy to be like you fucking you (laughs) blew me off it's like but but why i do want to want to understand why even if i don't like it more than just going you know like there there are people in my life that i i have sat with in the last couple of years you know knee to knee and said like i want to own some things but I also want to give you an opportunity to like, and let, let's just, let's not pass each other in the night and look at each other that way anymore. What would happen if we just, it's not a podcast, only you and I need to know the result of this. So let, let's just fucking throw it out on the table. Hmm. It's been like magnificent because it shifts the energy. And next thing you know, you're like, sometimes you're even creating with people that you're like, I never thought I could. I would. And then other people, it's just nice to be able to see them and go, oh, we see each other differently because we allowed each other to, especially as men, to like really be vulnerable, vulnerable, you know, that it's, yeah, the testosterone lowers a little bit as you get older. <laughs> and that's why like some people will go like, why do those people keep doing donuts in the middle of the fucking street? And then they hit like 10 people and you're like, yeah, but when you're like 25 and you're driving a sports car and you have a thing called testosterone, like right. you're bonkers. Yes. <laughs> so as that starts to settle, hopefully the first thing that a lot of fellas especially will do is go like, let's sweep your side of the street. It's very powerful, very manly to take ownership over uh, things that you've done that might have, uh, you know, put people in a bad spot. And then you'd be surprised at where that takes those relationships. The You, you started the conversation talking about your graduating class, like sort of the comedians sure. that you came up with. Are Of that graduating class, is it still like lots of working comedians that are in your circle or a lot of the people that you came up with kind of fell away. What is that? What does the circle look like today? Yeah. Um, the graduating class that I came up out of Boston with was a great group. Uh, Gary Gullman, Patrice O'Neill, Bill Burr, uh, Bobby Kelly, Al Del Benny, um, you know, best friends to this day. A lot of wow. people that, you know, Patrice, we lost, of course, once people are married and kind of in their lives or, or different coasts, you know, it's not like it was where you're hanging out every night, all right. night. Um, 
But for me, it was like more than anything, when I started to advance in my career, there was a lot of jealousy from maybe in and around my class. But I, I like I found mentorship from the comics that, you know, meeting Dice, Richard Lewis, Jerry Lewis, like a lot of the people that had already had many, many, you know, modes of success up and down. And then I also found myself really appreciating the entrepreneurship and openness of like the men and women that were coming up, like the generation that I saw coming up after me. It's always probably the toughest with your own graduating class because there is a lot of competitiveness. Yes, yeah. And everybody wants, there's a feeling of like, who's next? You know, there is no next and who knows? Yeah. It really is such a roll of the dice. It is a lot of perseverance and all the hard work and probably keeping yourself spirited and healthy is a factor, factors. But I found, uh, I worked in a nursing home when I was uh, 15 and 16. I was a dietary aide. And I spent two years with a lot of the residents, 80, 90, 100 years old. And I loved them. I loved the conversations that I had with them. So as I broke through, I loved the people that were a little further down the line who were fortunate enough to want to reach out and say, hey, kid, if you need any help, I'll... Um, so I had them and then also just making myself available for the next generation of comics to be like, hey, you can learn the first thing, I, you know, if you if you need me, you can DM me, you can call me. I just responded to a comedian today out of Boston who wrote me and said, I'm doing a thing with it. And it's like, I, I like being able to um, be there to say, I, I, I'll only protect your integrity. I'm never going to tell you what to do. I don't believe in it. I won't tell you what I think is funny or how to be funny. If you have an audition tape in like the guy that said to me yesterday, can you give me notes? Sure. But my job is to make sure you keep your integrity. What does that look like? It looks like I, I, I'm, if I was a time travel, I'm going to let you fail. I'm not here to prevent failure, but I can give you some good, solid advice that you'll either take or when you don't, maybe you'll realize I do need a good lawyer. I, I need legalese in my life. I need to understand the things that I'm signing. Like, so I'm there at the beginning to be like, hey, you're about to take off. Here's how to properly adjust your helmet. Here's <laughs> how, you know, and then I want you to just do whatever the fuck you think is important to you. And I don't know what that is. And even if you tell me all day, I still really don't know your passion like you know your passion. So my whole thing is like the, the mentorship I got was like, oh, these are people that aren't trying to take anything from me. They already have. They already... So it's just wisdom and great stories, yeah. you know, and then I get to do that now for I've been around long enough where it's like a lot of people, yeah. Uh, not even just in comedy, just in the arts and in in industry. And so it's it's a great time to be in the Dane Cook, uh, you know, <laughs> on the ride. I, 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 I'm bouncing in the seat a lot, but it's like, yeah, I, I, I feel just like a, a, a real a wave of uh, gratitude constantly being able to be in a career for this long, not easy to have any career for as long as yeah. I've had it. And to also be out there and, you know, doing the size gigs and it and that doesn't even matter. It's like a great big gig or even I'm doing a stuff this weekend and, you know, a hundred people down at the Laugh Factory. Yeah. It's still all fun and yeah. all part of the adventure. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being our mentor today. <laughs> oh, cool. We have learned uh, a ton. Like, I feel like you and I sort of went all over the place. It wasn't quite yeah. as linear, but I dug the shit out of it. I like so. that, like an amoeba. Yeah. It was constantly yeah. in motion. All the but, things that we talked about. But so, thank you for having yeah, me Yeah, oh my really, gosh, you know, of course. After a while, you start to, it's like, you know, there's a lot of podcasts where it's just, 
you're in there and everybody's just chopping it up, chopping right. it up. It's very like guy driven. Yes. And I'm like, I just want to be able to like, you know, yeah. sit and shoot the shit and talk about the things yeah. that are, you know, the most poignant, which I think is what is poignant yeah. in getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah, of it's like, funny. We've had a ton of comedians on lately and I'm like, I think it's because they can just come and be. And we might talk about childhood trauma and we might talk about their yeah. favorite, you know, thing to barbecue on the weekend. Like it's just, it's sort of a, a different vibe. So we feel Well, I appreciate you. Thank you. you. Yeah, of course. Tell people though, you are, oh, I know, hi. look, hi. Because um, you <laughs> you're said probably you're probably wondering, where can I see Dane Where can I see him and um, watch the latest special, which I think is on your website maybe, or I'm making yeah. that up. Tell us all the things. Okay, so above it all, part one is uh, currently well. It's it's everywhere. It's on um, Apple TV. It's on Google Play. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's on DaneCook.com. The documentary will be out next year, and then the rest of this year is tour. Well, I'm getting married in September, and then Stop, I'm going October, November touring. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, Are yeah. You pumped. I'm so pumped. Good. Yeah. Are you guys, uh, you don't have to say it, Lucas, are you getting where somewhere fun? Or yes. Like here? Okay. Yeah, it's like a vacation with a marriage in the middle of yes, it. Yes, that's all yeah. you want. With all that's our family and friends, want. and oh, it's yeah. just going to be great. Oh, fantastic. Um, so that, and then the Perfectly Shattered Tour, the tickets are available at danecook.com. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I hope people come out and we'll have a great time. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank I you. appreciate it. All right. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.